I would completely understand if you said you'd been having a hard time sleeping lately. I have struggled just to focus on this topic, which is ironic given that the topic is something many of us struggle to do for the very reasons that I've struggled to focus on it. As I wrote to one Hartford congregant this week as I followed up days late on a loose end, these are mind-scattering times we are living in. There are so many pulls on our attention and so many calls to our anxieties, as Suze was saying. What is the topic again? How many corona cases, coronavirus cases are there and how close by are they again? It has been further ironically energizing to take a deep dive into Ariana Huffington's of the Huffington's Post book, The Sleep Revolution, transforming your life one night at a time. Not one I recommend to you as your bedtime reading or as your driving reading either. The statistical, like audiobook even, um, the statistical details about the number of people going to work without sufficient sleep as truck drivers, train engineers, airline pilots, service members in the U.S. Armed Forces, as doctors, nurses, especially medical residents and interns, is deeply distressing. There are parents across the country trying to address the growing pattern of deadly drowsy driving incidents. It's now its own term, drowsy driving, through, among other actions, an organization called PAT, Parents Against Tired Truckers. There are endless articles and books you can read about the growing awareness of how crucial sleep is to every aspect of our lives and all the things encouraging us to take it for granted, cut back a few hours, just stay up and finish one more thing, um, the number of people working at night. I did enjoy sharing with our older kid this past week that I had just learned in Huffington's book about Thomas Edison, who after so many attempts was so right about the light bulb, was amazingly very wrong about the importance of sleep. He considered sleep a complete waste of time and was always encouraging his six children to quit wasting their time sleeping. He did go on to develop diabetes later in his life, which now we know there's a correlation between not getting enough sleep and becoming at risk for a variety of other health issues. My own struggles with appreciating and prioritizing sleep were something I explored with focus and ultimately some success, though I appreciate, as Ariana Huffington writes, that it's always a matter of taking one night at a time. After the expected disruption that came with our second newborn in early 2017, I then discovered that even while away at a three-night conference with a hotel room all to myself, I wasn't sleeping well. I did a home sleep study after that conference and ruled out sleep apnea. We got home humidifiers so that I wouldn't wake up with a dry cough in the Connecticut wintertime. I stopped drinking any caffeine after 2 o'clock, and we leave all our electronic devices downstairs away from our sleeping spaces. We have old-school alarm clocks that beep instead of using our phones. All of these things being sleep hygiene 101. 
Still, for me, it's the approach, the ramp up to sleeping time that makes the most difference, the, the advanced preparation. Years ago, when I was pregnant with our first child, a colleague said to me at a staff supervision continuing education conference, having children was the best thing for my ministry. I think of her saying that all the time because it seems so counterintuitive. There are so many ways in which becoming a parent has forced me to bring about some healthier behaviors in my own life. Almost every evening, if I'm lucky and I don't have other commitments that evening, I am the bedtime mama, the one who gets into bed with our three-year-old at 7.30 p.m. or so and squeals with delight, me, saying, yay, my favorite time of day has arrived, story time. And we're off, usually for a half hour or 45 minutes of reading with the first one. Then I get up, check in with the rest of my family, get myself ready for bed, and reading time, a little more grown up than story time, we're into chapter books now, begins with the second grader until we both fall asleep between 9.30 and 10. She's a night owl. I've long wanted to write a children's book someday called The Early Bird and the Night Owl because that's what we have had since they were, both, they were each born. Those of you I've worked with closely know I'm not likely to respond to email after six, and this has dramatically changed my ministry. I used to do all my email catch-up in the evenings and into the night. Now we don't allow devices upstairs, and I'm pretty much all upstairs from 7 o'clock on. This past week has tested my discipline in this regard because I love to keep up with the New York Times online on my phone. I am a person who gets absorbed, and I have to watch that by putting these you know, mechanisms in place. Just leave the phone downstairs. And speaking of the news of the day, because we were, weren't we? This whole service topic may have at first seemed completely unrelated and irrelevant to our country and our world's current preoccupation with the spreading coronavirus. I have a number of colleagues online who've been saying, should I change my topic? You know, what should we be talking about this Sunday? But I found that sleep turns out to be quite relevant. It is past time for most of us to start taking better care or try again to take better care of ourselves and expecting and encouraging the same of each other. Getting enough sleep, says Dr. Judith Owens, the director of the Center for Pediatric Sleep Disorders at Boston's Children's Hospital, is just as important as good nutrition, physical activity, wearing your seatbelt, and may I add, washing your hands. Dr. Michael Rosen, the chief wellness officer of the Cleveland Clinic, says sleep is our most underrated health habit. Journalist Alice Park writes, getting more and better quality sleep each night can improve concentration, sharpen planning and memory skills, and maintain the fat-burning systems that regulate our weight. If every one of us slept as much as we're supposed to, we'd all be lighter, less prone to developing type 2 diabetes, and better equipped to battle depression and anxiety. We would also, scientists are now finding, lower our risk of Alzheimer's disease, osteoporosis, and cancer. Ariana Huffington similarly summarizes, sleep is profoundly intertwined with virtually every aspect of our health.
So not just our physical health is nourished by a good night's sleep. Our mental and emotional health is all involved as well. Our ability to make good decisions and access our creativity. Truly, no one knows exactly all that is going on and being sorted out when we're asleep. Sleep's mystery defiantly remains, writes Huffington, which is partly why I find it such a fascinating topic. There's more going on than we know. It is clear that our bodies are healing from the world as we rest, releasing toxins accumulated from the day, And psychologically and spiritually, we are remembering how to trust and how to let go. Unitarian Universalist minister Jeremy Taylor was renowned for his decades of leadership on dream study as a source of wisdom. One of his teachings has lingered with me, and it's a simple practice to employ. Reverend Taylor taught that to remember your dreams, give them a headline right as you wake up and write that headline down in a blank book by your bedside table. I did this for some time and can still, years later, remember not only some of those headlines, but some of those dreams as well. In particular, one stands out, Waiting Tables in Prison. (laughs) That's the headline. I remember it years later. I remember portions of the dream. I remember the cafe in the prison. Typically, and years ago, a therapist counseled me that it's apparently just how my brain works. I wake up from very complex and often stressful dreams, only to be grateful that I am here in my real life. I'm not somebody who has a recurring dream. Everybody's uh, brains are different in these ways, I guess. I don't have recurring dream over and over again. I have these very detailed, complex dreams. While not the most restful, It's not a terrible way to start the day, grateful that that was not real. I do wonder, and there is a whole school of such study, exploring what all is going on in our nighttime journeys. I had a remarkable dream recently and stumbled downstairs early that morning to write it down. Perhaps I had this dream because the day before I had been driving our family of four to go afternoon roller skating and there was a man standing at an intersection holding a sign in need of money. Kathy, my spouse, asked quietly if I had any and truthfully I hadn't been thinking about that man and whether I had any cash to hand him. So I felt caught off guard, caught up in my own thoughts about my own life and all its comparatively luxurious preoccupations. And then that night, I dreamed. I was driving alone into a city towards the hospital where someone I loved was getting an infusion, surely inspired by another book I'd been reading. And suddenly, walking towards me on the highway was a woman carrying all her things, too many things. As I rounded the corner, there were suddenly hundreds of people standing alongside the highway. Something was wildly wrong. Soon I was among them and we were all walking because of some massive accident we had had to abandon our cars and walk. Everything else in the city though, and this was the crux of the dream, everything else was completely as usual. I was walking now through some neighborhood like on the outskirts of Waterbury or New Haven, just trying to get to the hospital, but it was miles away yet. I had my ginormous backpack on as well as two other bags. 
I went into a building that I thought might have a walkway through to the next block. Instead, it turned out to be a kind of open-air cafe with a gourmet shop. There was sliced cheese in slim bags and baskets of pretzel sticks, all kinds of delicious-looking spreads. I wanted to buy something, I wanted something to eat, but either they didn't take credit cards or they didn't take cash, and whichever one they didn't take was the only form of funds I had to use. I slipped a bag of the sliced cheese into one of my bags, though, and some of the pretzels, too, and then just kept walking. At this point, this dream was incredibly vivid, so I must have been near waking, and I could visualize every detail how I had to squeeze through the front register and a cart filled with pastries in order to get out the door, how embarrassed I felt that I couldn't pay using whatever means I had to use to pay, how nervous I felt about the tucked away sliced cheese I was stealing, how the woman behind the counter looked like Taylor Swift and may well have been humming, easy they come, easy they go, help me hold on to you, how desperate I felt to get to the hospital where my loved one was waiting for me, where the nurse was now calling me from to ask why I wasn't yet there. These are the kinds of collage nightmare dreams that I regularly have. Overlays of all kinds of darting daytime thoughts I have had, people I have passed by, books I've been absorbing, cheese I have been trying to restrain myself from eating. I love cheese. In my dream, what astonished me and what stayed with me as I woke up and what made me think it was remotely worth sharing in such detail with you all was that everyone who hadn't been on the highway that day when hundreds of us had to abandon our cars, everyone else's lives proceeded as normal. Is that how our world is going to go? Is that how things are already going, I wondered? Some among us in desperation, and the rest of us not comprehending how desperate things have become, just proceeding as if it were normal, just as if it were yesterday. I have had this theoretical, philosophical wondering in the daytime, I'm sure, but here in my dreams it all came together with an urgency and a holodeck experience that made it personal and urgent, which is perhaps what we all need to jar ourselves into changing our lives in some ways, into finally going and meeting our neighbors, into knowing what the immediate needs are of those right around us leaving me to wonder what profound and genuine questions arise in our dreams, that our minds and our daily lives are genuinely struggling to work out, and what answers might also be found there. Some final words from Ariana Huffington's book as we come towards a close. At the end of the day, literally, Being able to do something as natural as going to sleep shouldn't require chronically medicating ourselves or putting ourselves on a nightly war footing against all the screens, foods, and activities that stand between us and a good night's sleep. Rather, it should start with something as simple as it is profound, asking ourselves what kind of life we want to lead, what we value, what gives our lives meaning how we want to be in this world. To be able to leave the outside world behind each night when we go to sleep, 
We need to first recognize that we are more than our struggles, more than our victories, more than our failures, more than what we did and did not accomplish that day. By helping us keep the world in perspective, sleep gives us a chance to refocus on the essence of who we are and who we want to become. Sleep is the easiest daily way to shift our focus from our worldly problems to a higher reality. So, and I say this as the one in our household who is usually the get up, let's get going, mama. Let them sleep. I let everyone, including myself, sleep a little more this week. And we are all the better for it. May it be so for all of you and yours as well. In a rare throwback for me to use during a service, I want to share with you for our meditation time this morning this poem by William Wordsworth, written around 1802. It's the first line I love the most, but much of this sonnet is wisdom from another era that still pertains. William Wordsworth. The world is too much with us. Late and soon, getting and spending, we lay waste our powers. Little we see in nature that is ours. We have given our hearts away, a sordid boon. This sea that bears her bosom to the moon, the winds that will be howling at all hours, and are upgathered now like sleeping flowers. For this, for everything, we are out of tune. It moves us not. Great God, I'd rather be a pagan suckled in a creed outworn. So might I, standing on this pleasant lea, have glimpses that would make me less forlorn, have sight of Proteus rising from the sea, or hear old Triton blow his wreathed horn. The world is too much with us. This is the kind of poem my dad would have chosen to memorize at bedtime, and you can find it easily by looking up. The world is too much with us, William Wordsworth. May we yet glimpse that which makes us less forlorn. Let us take a few moments right now for becoming aware again of the beauty all around us, as well as the subtler seas stirring within us.
As Deborah extinguishes our chalice, will you please join me in the chalice extinguishing words that are printed in your order of service? Please rise in body or in spirit with me. We'll sing afterwards number 298 in your gray hymnal. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts and out into the world until we are together again. Number 298, wake now my senses. I'm still deciding about how many... across the country this morning, we are practicing not holding hands, not shaking hands. So I invite you to touch one another's shoulders only as you are comfortable, or just look and smile upon each other with your beaming eyes. 
This current coronavirus, like so many things that can panic us in the moment, is a chance for us to practice mindfulness and self-awareness and healthy behaviors, along with so many other actions that are already good for our health. Go home from here and have a good nap. (laughs) Clean your home, stock your fridge, make your space a nourishing and restorative place and then pick up the phone and phone a friend. We have so many ways to take care of ourselves and show our love for one another. Let us each make the next right move in our lives. For now, let us sit together to savor the postlude and then thoughtfully greet one another. Uh